What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the fourth episode of season two. That is crazy now that we can say it, that we are in four episodes in for season two, and we are starting this early, and I cannot wait. But today, I'm super excited because I have a guy that I've been really hoping to get on for a couple months now, and I'm glad we're finally making it happen. He's the founder of the IDP Army and the also founder of IDP123, which is a fantasy format for IDP leagues. He's a contributor for Dynasty Nerds, the host of the IDP Army podcast, and he is the Cardi B of IDP, as he says. He is Jordan Reigns. What's going on, man? Not much. How you doing, Alex? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, and I'm, I'm honestly so excited because this is the first time I've ever talked about IDP on my podcast, and I feel like it is like we were just talking about before the show, so underrated, and I just can't wait to expose it to more people because I think that in my opinion, it should be the fantasy format someday if people are willing to get more into defense. Do you? I mean, I, I guess you would agree with that, I would hope. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I talk about IDP, I mean, it's the same as an offensive league, but it's just got defensive players. So it's just like it's more of the same, you know what I mean, in, in a certain type of way. It's just more variables to the same game that we play. So as the game continues to evolve and people look for that that next high, so to speak, um, and looking to go deeper, you, know, you can only add so many offensive flex spots. You can only do so many premiums to your tight ends before you got to start playing on the defensive side. So the, pe- the people are coming. They may not know it yet, but they're definitely coming for IDP. Yeah, I, know. I love that. I love that. So you're the, you're the founder of this IDP 123 format. For the people that don't know, can you explain like a little bit of what it is and how you came up with it? Yeah, absolutely. So IDP 123 scoring is essentially when I came into the fantasy space or the IDP space, it's only, I've only been playing IDP for about three years. I quickly realized that the scoring in all of my leagues was different. The semantics that the guys in my leagues would use was different. Um, and nobody could really give me a reason behind the way things were the way they were. They just kind of were a mess. And I, after digging and researching, I just realized that there was nobody in the IDP content side of the game, nobody in the leadership of IDP fantasy football had taken it upon themselves to kind of standardize and set IDP up to move forward and evolve the way offense has with the emergence of half PPR, PPR, tight end premium super flex as the game is evolving um, and moving forward. You know, we have these standards, we have these formats that we all play in. We know the rules. We know the values of the, the actions that happen. So the way that you can articulate and give analysis on these leagues is contextual. You can give context on a player within a given format. That didn't exist for IDP when I came into the game. Um, and that, when I first came in, was the biggest hurdle for me. And as somebody who was new coming in, I realized, and through many conversations, realized that was a, true for a lot of people. The reason they didn't play IDP was because there was no format that made sense. There was no scoring format that made sense or one that they could have explained to them quickly that could assimilate to their league. So I started doing a bunch of research, doing a bunch of test leagues, running a bunch of sims of scoring. Cause I basically said, okay, like if nobody's going to do this, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, so it took a few months of trying different things, different scoring. Um, you know, I, I knew that tackles were going to be low, you know, low value, but high, you know, high number plays. So they have to be scored pretty low. But then I wanted to make sure that impact plays, you know, the plays that have the most on-field impact, like sacks and interceptions, were given a value that was credible but not overly inflated to make them um, 
you know, kind of blow up past what it really was worth. But I didn't want it to be undervalued either, like a one or a two point play. I mean, that's the same as a tackle, really. So I just kind of started looking around and I came up with this concept that one, two, three, you know, ABC, one, two, three. I wanted to make it simple. I wanted to make it easy for people. I said, okay, can you give this? If I was sitting at Thanksgiving next to my uncle and talking to him at IDP fantasy football, could I explain the scoring to him in a way that made sense in 90 seconds? And I knew that that was basically impossible in any scoring system that I currently played in. So I kind of used that as my parameters to figure this out. Um, and IDP one, two, three was born. Uh, you know, it's the one point plays are the assisted tackles, the quarterback hits. Those are the lowest value plays, you know, a quarterback hit you're affecting the quarterback, but that state still may end in a, a completion and it may not end in a sack. So we don't want to give that too much, but we want that to give pressure points. Um, an assisted tackle, you're stopping a def- you're stopping an offensive player, but he has made a pass the line of scrimmage and you had help. So that's one of the least valuable plays. Those are one-point plays. Two-point plays are your solo tackles. That is stop of, a, of an offensive player by a defender, pass the line of scrimmage, but he does it by himself. So it's worth twice as much as an assist. Tackles for loss are a stop of an offensive player behind the line of scrimmage. So that's a two-point play but it stacks with the solo tackle. So it's a net four point play. So anything in IDP one, two, three, that's worth more than three points is what's called an impact play. That'll move the line of scrimmage backward. That'll cause a turnover opportunity um, that will stop the line of scrimmage from moving forward. These would be like a, a pass deflection, the ball, the line of scrimmage doesn't move forward. Okay. So that's one, a forced fumble. That's an opportunity for the defense to turn the ball over. Um, you know, th- those kinds of things. A block kick is a turnover on down. So you'll get a three-point play on that. Um, and then the final one would be, you know, your, your sacks, which is the biggest play essentially or the interception, which is a turnover. So you get a full-blown turnover on the interception. The sack, you move the line of scrimmage back, and you get a tackle for loss on the quarterback, the most valuable player on any team. So that's why it's worth six as well. Um, then your IDP touchdowns are six points. And I kind of put it out there on uh, Expand the Box Score, the website. After I kind of put it out there a little bit on Twitter, they let me host the first article. And after about two months, Dynasty Nerds reached out to me and said, hey, we are looking to implement and kind of move IDP forward a little bit more. And we want to adopt your scoring system for our site and for our rankings. And I said, hell yeah, let's do it. So that kind of gave me some legit backing um, for the concept. And since then, I've just heard, I've heard nothing but positive feedback on the format um, from practitioners of IDP fantasy football. And I really think it's made a, a positive impact for, for the space overall. So, yeah, no, I, I love that. And I love that there's companies out there that are looking to push IDP forward. Cause again, we spoke a little bit before, about how this is something that's only going to push forward as people want to chase. Like you said, that new high of where it's a new way for people to play. It's a new, something that's exciting. And like you said, there's only so many flex spots and, and premiums. I mean, not every league is like a Scott fishbowl and has all the premiums that are always going to be new every year. And I, I love that, that people are trying to find a way to expand it forward. But uh, well, first, first of all, let me ask you this with the IDP format, you've heard nothing but positive things, but do you think the scoring format could change at all in the next couple of years? Or do you think it's pretty, pretty set in stone with where it is right now? Uh, it's definitely, you know, I don't think that this is, I, you know, it's like offense. There's multiple yeah. formats that can work. I think there can be multiple formats for defense as well. I just think that the market needs to decide what those are and that's going to be decided by adoption. So until some, you know, first it's got to be created. So somebody has got to go out and do the homework Then they got to back it up with some sort of research. You know, they have to do, uh, 
you know, market viability, see if it's going to stick, you know, do people actually like playing in it? So I, my advantage is I took this seriously from the beginning, like two years ago. And I know now I know that the market likes it. And, you know, I, nobody else has really done that kind of, that level of, of, of work on IDP scoring, as you could say, but I think it's going to evolve. Um, you know, even in my most recent updated version of the article on I dynasty nerds, one of the things that I kind of, you know, suggested is to up the quarterback hits to two points and drop the sacks to five. Now, you know, it doesn't fit into that cute little one, two, three package anymore because now we've got a five point play in there, but it's only going to give you a net. It's only going to be minus one on the total sack play because you're still going to get one of those points back for your quarterback hit, but it's a way to give your quarterback hits, um, kind of a little bit more oomph to them if that makes sense more of like a pressure so that's one thing i've i've been open to and like another thing that i think is definitely worth exploring is pass deflections i have missed three in idp one two three scoring which i call the base Um, but i think that's the minimum a pass deflection should be a pass deflection in my opinion should be a three four even a five point play because it stops the ball from coming forward, passing the line of scrimmage, and it creates a turnover opportunity because the defender gets their hand on it. They can knock it up and somebody else can get an interception. They can bring it down as an interception themselves, or they can just stop the play from moving forward. So it's a little bit more premium than, you know, a tackle for sure. I see like on fantasy pros, their IDP scoring, they have uh, solo tackles at one and a half. And they have pass deflections at one and a half. And I'm like, these two plays are so different in what they do on the field and what they mean. It's, 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 it doesn't make any sense that they're even close to the same uh, score or value. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And I think like I mean, with any great fantasy format and how things in, in regular leagues, people are always looking for something new. I think that to have anything set in stone would be, would be a little bit crazy because I think things are always evolving and people are looking for new things. So I love that. And just like you named so many different changes that you could do in, in such little things just to make it a little bit better. And again, like you talked about with test runs, I mean, you can test different things out and, and find mm-hmm. different things. Another question that I have is like, I've played IDP before. I like it. I know what it is. But for someone that could be listening to this right now, they don't know why, like they haven't played IDP. Like what's the biggest reason of like, you should give IDP a try to someone that's never tried it before? Because you're you're gonna like you're gonna like it. Like there's if you play in a well designed, well run league, you'll like it. We've all played in fantasy leagues that sucked. Yep. Does that mean fantasy football sucks? No. Fuck no. Okay, well, hopefully I can cuss no, on the show. Good, but you know what I mean? Like there are tons of really bad offensive leagues. We've had to leave. Same thing with IDP. If you get in a good IDP league, you will never want to play in an all-offensive league again. I got into my first IDP league. Like I said, I've only been doing it for like three years now. I've only joined one new league in the past two years that doesn't have IDP players in it. Oh, wow. And that's because it's my buddies from high school. Like, I just do not join. Like, it's not even – it doesn't do anything for me to see a 16-round draft coming my way. Like that's, I mean, it's just, I'm just at that point now where if it's not IDP, I don't even really feel like it's a full fantasy lineup. Um, and that's not just like talking out of my ass. It's just like, once you play IDP, you'll understand what I mean. Like it just, it's just not the same as, as offense. It's, it's, it's that plus. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing that I would say to, to people that don't know, and I think one of the things that my, my dad's the one that got me into this, I said, he's like, listen, like 
when you watch a game, there might be games with less fantasy players that you have on it. But if you have guys in the defensive side of the field, it's a weird phenomenon if you've never seen it. But once you start playing it and you see guys or linebackers that you've never heard of start making tackles, and then there's guys that you've never heard of that start racking up tackles in the game, it just becomes way more exciting. And the reason that like I fell in love with football is because I have players that I can watch play. IEP is just more players you get to watch play on the field and more players that get to make plays. And especially with a format like IDP one, two, three, like I play in leagues that you only get points really for like tackles, interceptions, touchdowns, fumbles like that. But then you get points for everything. So no matter what happens in the field, there's always points to be had. And I think that's an awesome way to do it. Another thing that I'm getting really excited about coming up as I'm sure everyone is two weeks from today, actually is the NFL draft going into the NFL draft. I'm sure there's some, IDP prospects that are coming in or they're excited about is there one prospect in particular that you are really excited about that you think will make a huge difference in the IDP world so to speak in the next coming couple years um I'm not a huge college football guy but I I know Micah a lot of people are in on Micah Parsons uh seem to be very excited about him maybe I'm a little gun shy just because we got so high on Isaiah Simmons last year absolutely and that didn't really work out um, so I want to <laughs> see where you know opportunity is going to trump everything first and foremost especially out the gates but I really you know he, he, he looks like he's got what it takes um Zabin Collins from Tulsa he's a linebacker I really like uh, what I've seen of him um and then this other guy Jeremiah Owosu Koromora from, from Notre Dame right yeah I think I said his name wrong but he's another player I think all three of them have a chance to make an immediate impact as rookies um you know depending on where they get drafted and they all seem that they look like they have the athletic um tools to have upside as impact players which is what you want you know an IDP IDP one two three like I said any play that is more than three points uh, is an impact play and impact players are what really sets guys apart. Um, high impact players from last year, like Roquan Smith, Devin white, Roquan Smith actually had more impact plays than Devin white. Really? Devin white outscored him a little bit though. Cause he had nine sacks, which are the highest possible scoring play in IDP as far as impact plays. So that definitely helped. But uh, Roquan Smith did have more impact plays than him on the field, which a lot of people probably don't know. Darius Leonard is a big impact player. Jabril Peppers is an impact player. Jamal Adams is an impact player. So I'm looking for guys that have multiple skill sets. You know, guys that are not impact players, just an example of a not impact player, is um, Zach Cunningham is a good okay. example of a not an impact player. He has 13 impact plays basically every year for the past three years and he yeah. has like one year with 14 yeah. that's not a very high number he's a tackle monster he gets like 140 Machine. tackles a season but yeah. he doesn't do anything else on yeah. the field so you have to you ask yourself okay you're i know i'm going to get more two-point plays out of him but i know these three four five and six point plays aren't coming from him so he has to have that high tackle floor to really hit so if he has a season where he hits 120 tackles He's not going to have any impact plays to buoy him. And so he's going to be a guy that can fall off a little bit easier. So I'm looking for guys that have multiple skill sets, guys that can rush the passer, guys that are good in coverage because getting your hand on the ball, again, that creates turnover opportunities and getting behind the line of scrimmage. That creates disruptive plays, high leverage snaps, gets tackles for loss and sacks. So guys that can make plays. That's what I like. Like, look at Patrick Queen. I was kind of a not a big Patrick Queen guy this last year, but he 
makes plays. Um, and that was on me to not really realize that he didn't have to have a, a 120 plus tackles, you know, because he had the impact play. So I'm looking for guys like that. And I think Parsons, uh, Collins and J-O- J-O-C can do that for yeah. us. J-O-C or is it J-O-K? I think it's J-O-K. J-O-K, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love that. And I think one of the things that, I mean, I would point out to people that are listening to this that, that don't know IDP super well is think of someone like Devin White. If you got to own Devin White last year and you got to see some of those Bucks games, I mean, if you don't like IDP after having Devin White on your team, you probably never will. Because when you get to see guys like that make an impact and watch him fly in for tackles. And then, like, the other thing I think you can you can speak to this a little bit is just the fact that, like, especially in fantasy football, no matter – once you have a guy on your team like a Devin White that breaks out and has this big season, forever, no matter what team they're on, you're always going to have, like, an affinity for them. And I think that, like, IDP just gave me – a new appreciation for watching the NFL and like all these like defensive players. I know now that I would have had no idea about before. So I, I absolutely love that. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, cause again, th- for me starting out playing fantasy football and a lot of people listening to this might not know what IDP is or be super familiar with it. One of the, like the articles that I used to love to read when I didn't know much were like the booms, the breakouts and the sleepers and that kind of guy. So I wanted to kind of shift into a little bit of that, if that's okay with you. So we'll start out with, the, the D-line position, this is the one I'm the least familiar with because my format that I play in doesn't support them. Could you talk about like a like one boom one boom player, one bust player, and one sleeper for this D-line position for this year if you have them off the top of your head? Yeah, well, I'll say a boom player. You know, go I'm going to go back to the well because I love talking about him, but Montez Sweat. Um, mm-hmm. I tweeted something just today. Uh, he played about 80 less snaps than Chase Young but he outscored Chase Young by over 10 points this year. Wow. Uh, he had 22 impact plays, which is the same number as Chase Young. So on a snap-for-snap snap basis, he's more efficient. Uh, he had more sacks than Chase Young. And I'm not just like – this isn't to dog Chase Young. No. It's, we, we all know what Chase Young is. Chase Young is what everybody wants. I'm just letting people know Montez Sweat is a more efficient version of Chase Young, at least he was last year. Had a touchdown, had a bunch of pass deflections. Um he should have been a top 10 pick himself, probably should have been a top five pick, except for the, the heart murmur thing that was going on with him. So yeah. he's a boom player. Uh, you're going to be able to get him, generally speaking, as your sixth, seventh, eighth defensive line player off the board right now, which if last year in Dynasty you were on him, you got him much later than that. You get him as like DL20, between DL20 and DL30. Um that's and if same. you did, you, you it paid off. But if not, I still, he's one of the few guys that I'm willing to kind of reach for because he's kind of the end of that top tier in my opinion so uh he'll be going after miles garrett he'll probably go after joey and nick bosa i would rather have him than joey bosa i would almost rather have him than nick bosa right now if i'm being completely honest i definitely take him over daniel hunter a few other guys that i know a lot of people are into uh bust wise let's just daniel hunter i don't think that the, the neck injury has is an issue obviously mm-hmm. um that's not something you want. But when you really go look at, you know, the, the production profile that Daniel Hunter, you know, has, he does almost everything that he does is sack, tack, or tackle related. That's it. He does not get forced fumbles. He does not get fumble recoveries. Um, he has one forced fumble in his career, I think. No, he has four. Okay. He has four forced fumbles in his career. Um or five, I'm sorry, but he doesn't get any pass deflections. His tackles for loss are, are pretty good, um, but not super-duper uh, great like you really want. 
But the, the thing that really gets him, though, is he's one of the few guys that can get up in that 70 tackle department, kind of like um, Joey Bosa is another guy. That's just because he's on the field a lot, though. Mm-hmm. So his skill set is kind of limited because of that. If he doesn't hit 12 to 14 sacks, you know, if he does hit closer to a seven, eight sack season, um, you know, you're looking at a guy that's going to maybe just barely be scraping that 200 points. And he doesn't have a lot of other skills that are going to get him there. Um, he's not going to have a lot of pass deflections. He's never going to have an interception. You know, those things just don't happen for him. So it's going to be a little harder for him to make up ground. Um, quarterback hits, he can put up close to 20, but he's never going to like really push past that. I think TJ Watt this year had like almost 40, something like that. So, I mean, those are cheap points that you can get in IDP one, two, three scoring. Um, even Daniel Hunter, a guy who everybody loves, he's only putting up around 17, 18 a year, which is okay. It's not great. So I think he's a guy that could bust out because of one, just his skill set. Again, if he has a year where the sacks don't fall his way, there's not a lot of other stuff going on there. And then to the neck injury, like I'm just concerned. I don't want a player like that on my team. You know, that's a liability. And if you still have to pay up for Daniel Hunter, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that. I would draft him happily as like my DL2. But as a DL1, there's too much risk at the cost that you're going to have to pay to get him, in my opinion. And then as far as a sleeper, it's probably not a sleeper, but Trey Hendrickson, I know a lot of people don't really like for whatever reason, Not don't like all. Trey Hendrickson. <laughs> uh, I like Trey Hendrickson. He had a pretty good season this year. His first full season as a starter, um, you know, he he was a difference maker for the team. He had 25 quarterback hits. That is nothing to shake a stick at. That's a lot. Um, 13 and a half sacks that tied him for second in the league. Tackles were not super high. He had only 25 combined tackles, so that's not great. No. But, uh, you know, 12 of those were tackles for loss. That's not bad. And even though he was like, quote, unquote, like I said, the starter, he only played 558 snaps this year. So that could easily go up into that 700 range. Absolutely. You get him up to 700 and you still give me – just give me 10 sacks and – Give me 45 tackles, you know, 15 of them tackles for loss. You know, if we can prey on that, that's a guy that's going to, you'll want to start him every week. And he's going to get dogged on because he's on the Bengals and because he isn't, because he's not Carl Lawson basically, because he doesn't get beat double teams like crazy. So he's a guy that I think you're going to be able to get cheap and he could push into the, he'll, he'll, he could push into the top 15 defensive line again this year pretty easily, I think. Yeah, so let me let me ask you this. Does it go both ways in the sense that, okay, maybe he's not playing on as talented of a defensive line, so he's going to see more attention. But you also said the fact that his snaps, he only played 550. When you're playing on a great defensive line, you'll play less. So would you would you say that's a, a, I mean, an even trade-off or a better trade-off with the fact that he's going to play probably a, 150 more snaps, I mean, on a less talented D-line? So even if he's not going to produce that much, I mean, like you said, you add 150 snaps to what this guy can already do. I mean, that sounds like a guy that is going to do a lot better than people are going to make it out to be because he's not Carl Lawson, like you said. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's, I, just, I just think he's, for what he's costing and for the narrative that kind of surrounds him mm-hmm. um, as an overpaid player who, you know, came out of nowhere. It reminds me of Shaq Barrett. Nobody saw it coming, so nobody wants to believe it. That's that's the long and the short of it. Nobody saw it coming, so nobody wants to believe it. If you want to get on on that goodness, you got to get on your team now. Okay, 
I bought Shaq Barrett last off season. No, he didn't have 20 tackles or 20 sacks, but he was a DL one again, yep. you know, where you could play him as a DL. So exactly. that's what I wanted him to do. He did it. Exactly. That's all you can ask for. So again, let me ask you the same thing for the linebacker position. If you have a breakout, a bust and a sleeper for all these, the linebacker position is my favorite position. So I'm, I'm very excited to hear this. Uh, breakout player. All right. Here's a guy I think that could break out. I think we might see a breakout this year from Logan Wilson on the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I I like that. From Wyoming, right? Yeah, from Wyoming. Here's some, here's some stats for you. Okay. So this is a comparison I put out on the IDP Army Twitter account the other day for, uh, Logan Wilson and Isaiah Simmons. So rookie season, defensive snaps for Wilson. 343 for Simmons, 376. So he played about 30 more. Tackles for Wilson, 33. Tackles for Simmons, 54. So he had quite a few more tackles, but impact plays. Logan Wilson still had 10 impact plays. Uh, Isaiah Simmons had 11. That's a really high impact play rate to get 10 on 343. Passer rating when targeted, Logan Wilson only allowed a 66.4 passer rating. Isaiah Simmons allowed a 102 passer rating. Isaiah Simmons only missed two tackles, whereas Isaiah Simmons missed five. And then Logan Wilson averaged 6.9 points per game, whereas Isaiah Simmons 7.8. So there's only one point per game difference between these two. One of them you're going to hear talked up a lot this offseason as all the potential in the world and things are, you know, everything's going to come his way once he gets the snaps and he's worth a first-round pick and you're going to hear all that. And then you're going to have a guy out here in Logan Wilson who had two interceptions, three pass deflections, four tackles for loss on sub-350 snaps, and you're going to be able to get him for pennies on the dollar. Um, now, do I know for sure that he's going to get this job? No. Do I know for sure that when he does, he's going to be able to keep up this kind of high-level play? No, but nobody knows that stuff. Um, what I do know is they need uh, linebacker help. I know that Bynes is not the answer. I mm-hmm. know that Logan Wilson flashed, um, and I think that he is going to, unless they do something in the draft, I think this is his job to lose coming into the year. Like that. Um, so there's one guy who's a breakout. Uh, possible bust. <sighs> what it was bust? What was the other one? Uh, sleeper. If you have one. Sleeper. Hmm. Wait, can I talk about a sleeper? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, please do. Yeah, I, I have a sleeper here that, that I've been looking at. And again, I don't, I don't know what he, how he grades out in IDP one, two, three. But this is a guy that came out of absolutely nowhere, and thanks to injuries last year, proceeded to have a, an insane impact. Um, and that's Eric Wilson. Uh, Eric Wilson's going to the Eagles, and I mean Duke Riley left, Nate Jerry left, and they're they're guys that ate up a lot of snaps. Yeah, Alex Singleton's still there, and Alex Singleton is an animal, but I don't think people realize. I mean, for at least for where I was playing, in, in terms of tackles, of how good Eric Wilson actually was last year, and I think he's a guy that playing on this Eagles team that seems to produce a lot of linebacker numbers again, especially look at Alex Singleton or, or Nate Jerry when he first took over that linebacker role. Um, I think. Eric Wilson's a guy that could go underrated. Um, what do you what do you think about that? At least in terms of IDP one two three. I don't know how he did in terms of impact plays. Dude, that's a a great pick. Um, I mean, he's he's incredible. He had twenty five impact plays, which is that's an elite number. Um, first and foremost, he was <clears throat> he finishes the linebacker eleven this year, and that was playing alongside Eric Kendricks, who was, was like fifth. The- in points per game through 12 weeks. So he finished as a linebacker one 
playing alongside a guy who was not just a linebacker, one, a top five linebacker through two thirds of the season, almost three fourths of the season. So he's shown that he's able to do it with another dog on the field with him. He's shown that he can do it through impact plays. Um, and he can do it through tackles. And it was something that is interesting about Eric Wilson too, that I haven't really brought up. I'm going to on my show eventually, but you guys are going to get early here is his solo to assist tackle ratio. This last year was he's got 62 solos to 60 assists. What that tells me looking at that, which that is not a normal ratio is that he could have scored more points. Um, he really should have probably ended up with closer to 75 and, you know, 45, which would have put him up even higher. Uh, he just kind of got a bad break this year with a lot of assisted tackles. So that kind of impact play upside 25, and he did this in 15 games too. He wasn't even the starter for that very first game. So with the high impact plays, with some regression going towards the solo tackles, even if the impact plays come down, I think Eric Wilson uh, is a guy who's going to stay in that. He's going to be in your lineup every week, and I, I'd have a hard time seeing him not finish in the top 24 at linebacker this year. Yeah, uh, no, So, yeah, I, I love that. That's that's great to hear. And I think, like, another thing, just to mention real quick, and this is more of just my – I mean, an offensive side of the thing is if you look at the Eagles, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, again, Duke Riley left and Nate Jerry left. That's a lot of like vacated targets as you see on offense. I mean, that's a lot of vacated tackles that are leaving that team that are going to come up for him. And I think he's someone that could absolutely produce a lot. All right. But that's, that's enough for me about Eric Wilson. How do you, do you have the last thing for the linebacker position is do you have any big busts there? Anyone that you really just want to take a, a fat load of crap on that doesn't deserve it? <laughs> doesn't Warner. deserve it. I don't know about that. Uh, know. Fred Warner yeah. is a guy that every year he ends up finishing as a top, 15 20 linebacker and every year people love to talk him up as this as this amazing player but honestly the truth is a little bit different than that um fred warner is not a really an impact player 11 impact plays as a rookie 24 his second year but then just 17 this year he's playing all the snaps you know he's supposed to be this great guy in coverage he only had six pass deflections this year he had Ooh. nine the year before Six year before that. So what's that? An average at about seven. That's that's not terrible, but he doesn't do much behind the line of scrimmage either. Five, seven, and then three tackles for loss. And even his his total tackle numbers are nothing to really be spectacular. I mean, his his his, his highest he's ever had was this year. He had 125. So Fred Warner's known ceiling is 125 tackles and 24 impact plays. That's that's good enough to get you there. Like that'll get you to a linebacker one season, but it's not going to feel very spectacular. And what do I mean by that? I mean, Fred Warner this year still managed to finish as a top 15 linebacker. And as someone who had him, I was usually rolling him out in my flex spot because it didn't feel like he was a top 15 linebacker. And the reason because of that is because he scored over, he scored 25%. And I did the math on this 25% of his fantasy points from this season came in weeks 16 and week 17. So it came in championship week, and then a week you didn't even play fantasy. That's when he did most of his actual work this season, a quarter of his work this season, where in the two weeks when he wasn't really helping his managers out. So he, he's done this before. Uh, he, he shows up. He has spike games. He does do that, and he can win you a week, but it's one week a season, yeah. maybe two. And he hurts your team. If you went into the season thinking, okay, I have Fred Warner as my linebacker one, you, if you 
you didn't feel you did you didn't play him as your linebacker one throughout the whole season. You might say you did. I don't believe you because I tried to do that and it just didn't work out. You found somebody better on your team deeper down your bench and you relied on them, not Fred Warner. Yeah. So he's kind of a bust candidate for me for sure. Um, just because people draft him too high too. He always gets pushed up draft boards because of the Niners faithful and yeah. his great PFF grades and all this stuff that is completely irrelevant for fantasy. Exactly. The fact that, Oh, well, like they're like, Oh, well, I mean, he made the pro bowl over Devin white last year. So he, he must be good. I mean, like, come on, man. You're not, you're not looking at the same stuff. But that's, I mean, that's for another yeah. day. I could go on and on about that all day. The last position that I want to talk about, the same thing, if you have like a boom or breakout, um, a bust and a sleeper, is the D, is the DB position. Um, one thing, cornerbacks do not grade out well unless it's like Malcolm <coughs> Butler or Mike Hilton for those first few games of the season where they racked up a lot of tackles. Those guys don't usually get a lot of love um, in the format I play in. So, I mean, again, I'd love to hear how cornerbacks usually do in IDP one two three. And if you could give me a breakout um, bust and sleeper, that would be fantastic. Yeah, well, it really depends on the corner, you, you know, just like anything. Um, there's a couple of guys that did well this last year, Malcolm Butler being one, uh, Marlon Humphreys being another, uh, Kenny Moore did well, Xavier Howard did pretty good, but I mean, he had, what, 10 interceptions, so yeah. that helps. Teron Johnson was a corner out of Buffalo who did well. It's just, you know, it really just comes down to are they impact players? Are they able to get the tackle numbers up high? So you're usually going to look for your slot corner type guys. Um, that is what Kenny Moore is. That's what Marlon Humphreys does. They're going to have a little bit of a higher tackle floor in general than your typical outside cornerback. Um, and some of these guys are even playing some safety kind of like type snaps. And some of these, something we realized this last year was, your defensive backs are getting blitzed a little bit more uh, as of late. So you, you guys have, again, it's, it's your drafting skill sets. I want to find, I like players that have diverse skill sets that can move around the field. Um, so a guy that for me that I think could be a breakout this year uh, is Ronnie Harrison. Ooh, uh, he plays it. for the Browns. I know they just signed, John Johnson III, and this is not shade on him, and they'd have Grant Delpit there. This is more like I'm not really sure what Grant Delpit's role is going to be, yep. and I know Ronnie Harrison can is a hitter. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you don't really think of Ronnie Harrison as being an impact player, but the last three seasons he has had 8, 16, and 11 impact plays. Now, you don't think those are very gaudy numbers, and they really aren't, but he's only played – uh, started 29 games in the past uh, three years. So to start that many games and to have more impact plays than games started, that's over one a game. That's a that's a really good number uh, for a safety to get, uh, for a defensive back to get. Just for context of what I mean by that, I'll tell you, Buda Baker, okay, we all know who Buda Baker is. His, his uh, totals are 15, 16, and 18 for the past three years. Wow. So to average a number similar to that, without getting that kind of role uh, or not being able to stay on the field, uh, that shows me that he has what it's going to take to get there in the impact play department if he can get his tackles up a little higher. So Grant Delpit doesn't oh, concern me too much. Ronnie Harrison, massively underrated. He started seven games this year, seven pass deflections. He had a touchdown. He had a sack. Um, you know, I mean, that those are all good things. You and know, Carl for guys start seven gone, games, right? Yeah, say it again. Carl Carl Joseph is gone as well from that. Carl point. Joseph is gone, so yeah. he's just he's a playmaker. Uh, he's he's going to be on the field. We, I, I I I'm not worried about Grant Delpit. I'm you may hear people talk about Grant Delpit in the off season. Um, he 
feels to me kind of like Juan Thornhill did this last year in Kansas City where he'll play. Yeah, we know he's recovered from his ACL. Yeah, but there are veterans on the field that can get shit done like Sorensen and Matthew. That's how I feel about John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. So I I'm, I'm think that we're a little low just across the fantasy community on what Ronnie Harrison is able to bring to the table. Um, so he's a guy that I would say is maybe, I don't know if I would call him a sleeper or a breakout. It could be either one of those. Yeah, no, I'm fair enough. I think he's a guy, like you said, I mean, just again, with the impact plays and what he has the ability to do. And again, the other, the other thing for the, for impact plays or even tackles is the fact that they don't have a lot of great linebackers in there. I think they have some guys that are sleepers, but they don't, I wouldn't say that BJ Goodson is like your, your thumper in the middle. That's going to be making a lot of tackles. So I think that could potentially open things up for him potentially a little bit more, not a huge impact, but Hey, it, it's something. Then it's not like we talked about with Eric Wilson, where he has like Eric Kendricks that he's competing with to make plays. I think he can absolutely do something. Do you have a bust or a, a sleeper for the DB position? A bust. I don't really have any bust for DBs right now. It's tough. As far as sleepers, I feel like Taylor Rapp is kind of getting slept on. You know, he came in, he had the 100-plus tackle season as a rookie, 15 impact plays, which, again, is a good benchmark number. That's what Buda Baker basically puts up every season. Struggled with injury a little bit last year, uh, and then they rotated him. It was basically whenever he was hurt, Jordan Fuller was not hurt, and whenever Jordan Fuller was hurt, Taylor Rapp was not hurt. So they kind of went back and forth in and out last year. But I think that he's kind of people. The hype is definitely off of him. I had him coming into last season as a top twelve defensive back, and I know you don't have to pay anywhere close to top twelve defensive back price for Taylor Rapp right now. Still only twenty three years old, starting his third season in the league. Um, wheels up, you know. John Johnson just left. We have Fuller there, and I believe there's another safety as well. But right now, the most senior safety on the team you know, it seems to be Taylor Rapp. And we've seen him come out and do some good things. Eight pass deflections as a rookie, had a touchdown, capped 100 tackles, and only started 10 games. So I think that he's a, a guy that you can get right now. Is you might even be able to sneak him in as a DB3 or a flex guy on your team. And you could, you're, you could be sitting on 100-plus tackles. Yeah, just like last year when he came out of nowhere. One guy that you, you could talk about as a bust, I think, just because and, – and this is hard because I think it's the position thing, but – we talked about Cameron Curl a little bit before the show. Could someone like Landon Collins be a bust in the sense that he's been a guy that's been near the top for the past couple of years when he's played and he's not hurt. But with the fact that he's one, he's coming off an injury and two, Cameron Curl was an animal last year. And I don't think that they're just going to hand over the job to him so easily. Cause so I guess what I'm saying for the people that don't know about Cameron Curl, could um, Landon Collins be someone that's overvalued or call him as a bust? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the market's kind of adjusted. The early offseason market was very Cameron Curl's not going to be around. He's not going to keep the job. But that was, I mean, that was like, you know, how people are in January and February, just talking to talk. So I think people are starting to, now that they've really looked at what Cameron Curl did, and it's not, I mean, like he is that good. Um, he's a hit, you know, and there's no reason that a good coaching staff is going to take him off the field for a guy that, yeah, they paid him a lot of money. That's great, but they want to win football games there too. Um, I don't think Landon Collins is going to bother or compete or impede on anything that curl brings to the table, but I don't think that people are necessarily over. If anything, I think maybe people are a little bit undervaluing Collins, but I'm scared to touch Collins right now. If I'm completely honest, because I don't know what we're going to get with him. 
You know, his really, really big season was 2016. Um, in 2016, he had 33 impact plays, which is hmm. that's a that's a gaudy number. That's yeah. like a Jamal Adams type of number. But hmm. since then, he hasn't even come close to that. In 2017, 14, 2018, 10, 2019, 16. So he's basically put up half of those numbers. So the Landon Collins that we see in our heads, that we think of as this tier one defensive back. That guy was a was around in 2016, you know, but that kind of upside hasn't necessarily been there for him for a while. Now, the tackle floor has stayed uh, consistently high and intact, which you love to see, 112, 125, 104, 96, 117. This last year he had 41. He was pacing the right way again for another 100 tackle season, which you love to see. But I don't know what they're going to do with the Achilles injury. I don't know if he is going to be a hundred percent snap player. So he could be a, this could be a year, a down year for him coming back. Now that's not to say that he won't be around for a while. He's only 26. Um, This is a good buy low moment in dynasty because you do see a lot of safety stick around forever. You know, look at Malcolm Jenkins. He's what 33, 34 Antoine Bethay. You know, he didn't retire until this last year. He's 34. Um, so safeties can play in the league quite a while. It's a position where the instincts can keep you in the game. Maybe whenever some of the athleticism is slow, you know, some maybe there's a young buck behind you that's just not there yet, you know. So those guys, that position, the nature of that position is that Landon Collins is going to continue to be a high level asset, I think, in IDP. But I, I'm not sure what his career trajectory or what kind of player he's going to be coming off of this injury if I'm just being honest. Yeah, no, definitely someone that's that's really risky. Well, we got to I love I love all the answers you gave for the booms, um, the sleepers and the bus for each position. But another thing, this is this is definitely IDP centered and I know you're an IDP guy, but on the offensive side of the ball, is there any players that that you're looking at right now and you're just like I'm getting really excited about these guys and their potential value. Like guys for me like that I think are going undervalued and would definitely be someone like a Jalen Hurts right now that's going as QB 11 when I think he's going to finish far above that. Someone like Tyler Boyd that's going at wide receiver 32 right now when he's never finished under wide receiver 23. Guys like that. Is there anyone that, that you talk about on the offensive side of the ball that's getting you really excited right now? I mean, I'm really excited about A.J. Brown. Yes, um, if he gets 10 I'm, targets. If he gets 10 I don't targets. even need that. I mean, he's just – he's like Tyreek Hill – except he's built like a, like a, like a, like a superhuman, like a monster. Um, He's got breakaway speed. He can bulldoze guys over. Uh, He played injured last year and he looked like the best player on the field every time he was on the field. So I made it my mission to, I have AJ Brown on essentially every, I mean, I, I sold my soul to get him almost everywhere I could get him. And I, I don't look back at all. So I'm very excited about that. I know he costs a lot, but He's one of those guys where I'd rather get him now than try to get him next year, you know. Um, on the running back side, uh, this is maybe more of a little bit of a sleeper, but I'm still – I think there's a lot of room for Zach Moss to grow. Um, we have the offense that moves the ball downfield intact. Yeah, they're a little bit more progressive because they do throw the ball more often than not, but we did have – Zach Moss injured all last year. They drafted him what the third round, second, third round. They drafted him to use him, and they weren't able to use him like they wanted to. So we to just write him off right now, um, I think is kind of a fool's errand. And then Melvin Gordon, 
another running back. I mean, I've been on the Melvin Gordon train forever. I mean, I'm a, I love Melvin Gordon. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. He's one of my favorite running backs in the league. He reminds me a lot of me, where it's just like he's pretty, he's good, but people just don't give him credit for it as much as he yeah. deserves it, honestly. <laughs> um, so I, I love me some Melvin Gordon. Finished last year, you know, with four plus point, you know, yards per carry. Had a bunch of touchdowns. He can catch the ball. He can break away. He could spin, move. He can hurt. I mean, he can do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Carson, same vein. Two guys that I think are you can draft them right now as running back twos, and I think they both if they play if those both those guys play fifteen games, there's no way they aren't top twelve running backs in my mind. Yeah, I I love that you said that, and it's so so funny that you you named some of the guys you did because my my last podcast episode was like my top five most underrated guys in ADP, and Chris Carson and Melvin Gordon were both guys that made my list. It just doesn't make sense. Like Chris Carson is an RB one playing like less than sixty percent of the snaps in nine of his twelve healthy games this year. And he's Melvin, just he's Nick Chubb, except he catches passes. Exactly. He's Nick, he's Nick Chubb, Chubb but, he, but he catches passes. And then there's people that are like, Oh, well, Chris Carson's injury prone. Well, he's missed seven games over the last three years, man. That's not bad. That's, That's like one and a half a game, one and a half a year. Exactly. It, it just it just doesn't make sense. I don't want to yeah. talk about it. It's narratives, dude. Yeah. It's narratives. It People is. get them in their head. And it's funny because Melvin Gordon right now costs more in Dynasty than he did this time last year, which is crazy. And he's still undervalued, but he's more expensive now a year later because people are finally catching up. They tried to fade him last year. Oh, he's going to Denver. Oh, yeah. Philip Lindsay's going to rush. Get you yeah. know, blah blah yeah. blah blah okay. blah. blah. Yeah. Stupid. Okay, Melvin Gordon's a beast. <laughs> Melvin Gordon took that shit and ran with it, yeah. and that was that. Absolutely, absolutely. And he's going lower than he was last year. Right now, I mean, on on um, fantasy yeah. pros, he's going as the RB twenty one when he like. <laughs> When in ADP he was 18 last year and he That's finished laughable. at 15. And Philip Lindsay left, man. Royce Freeman's not a bad player, but like I'm sorry, but Melvin Gordon is a good running back. He averaged 4.6 yards. He's 27 too. That's not even that old. Like it's really not. Yeah, and and, he, and they're getting back guys like Cortland Sutton. Drew Locke's going to take another year. I mean, like Kendall yeah. Hinton is not playing quarterback for you this year. <laughs> like he's going to exactly. be better than you think. Things so, will be better. Again, I digress. I get too excited about that, but I just think they're so undervalued, and I cannot wait to reap the benefits this year in fantasy when I have those guys and other people don't because they don't realize they're undervalued. We got a couple more questions before we leave. The first question, this is just one that I just wanted to throw in as an exciting because I think you're a really knowledgeable football guy, and I really like how you look at the game. Who is your favorite football player of all time and why? Offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, doesn't matter. Like, Who is the guy you think of when I say who is your favorite football player of all time? I'm going to go with Kurt Warner, and that is because the year that I first fell in love with football was the year he took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Okay. And everything about Kurt Warner is something that is just, I mean, just his story as a person, what he was able to do as a player. I mean, it's just, it's just a reminder to everybody and anybody anywhere that, you know, you have to, one, you have to bet on yourself and believe in yourself. And, you know, that's paramount. And two, like anything, you know, be ready, you know, stay ready because you don't know when your moment's going to come. And he was ready, you know, when he got when his moment came and he is now he's a Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL, completely undrafted. You know, we've all heard the story bagging groceries. And then he just as his first year as a starter, 
you know, takes him, you know, all the way. You know, he faced Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, he he's just his story is so interesting and fascinating. And for a guy that came, you know, didn't wasn't even drafted. You know, I mean, we're talking about Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like these this guy's a legend and like nobody even saw it coming, you know. So to me that he's a player that I can you, anybody in the world can look at and say he made it to the top from the from the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it can happen to anybody, you know, and I, I really like that. And he didn't do it on that. I mean, he was prolific. I mean, yeah. he was prolific. You know what I mean? Like the things he did were unreal. Um and, you know, so that, then that, that, that Rams team in 2000, 2001, that was the team, 99, those teams were the ones that made me fall in love with football. I'm from Missouri. Um, so I was able to see that happen. You know, the St. Louis Rams won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and that's because of Kurt Warner, you know, and yeah. that's, that's awesome. And I just, you know, even the way he is now on Twitter, you know, he's very positive. He's very interactive he's a very thoughtful kind of guy he seems like he's never he never got too big for his britches he never lost sight of who he was there's just a i mean all the reasons i like him are things really outside of football you know what i mean but it's just like he's just a he just embodies a lot of the things that i think are important in a person um and his story is just a reminder that you know just stay ready you know i mean you never know when the call is going to come yeah, I, I love that. I'm I'm so glad I asked that question. That was a great answer. I've actually never just no disrespect to Kurt Warner. I've never heard someone say that before, but I mean that's that's as well said as you could to make a make a case. And I, I love that. I mean I remember the first Super Bowl I ever remember watching was watching him on the Cardinals. I mean, um take leading against the Steelers and almost taking that game. But he's I mean, a legend. He's, he's been legend. in so many big moments. He's yep. played with so many good players. And again, it, it just always you know, he's one of those guys you can look back to and say, that, you know, the process yeah. completely whiffed on him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I hate to I hate to go off that because that, that was a great, great, um, great answer. But do you have a Super Bowl prediction for this year? Is Tom Brady going to win ring number eight? Yeah. Do you Just think so? To, yeah, he is. Over who? I don't even know. Some poor, sad, pathetic team. Never stood a chance, probably. Probably the Chiefs again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my prediction. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone like I mean, even hey, maybe Cleveland goes on. Honestly, though, I think the Bills could get there. I think the Bills could beat the Chiefs. They should have beat. They completely came apart this year, but there were a better team heading into that week. I thought than the Chiefs were. So it'll be interesting to see with the draft. But I think the Bills are set up to. They, they, I think they could do it. I think they or the Chiefs are going to be in it against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, and I just don't think there's a world where Tampa Bay doesn't get back because their defense is unreal. Yeah. Like people don't understand. And it's so funny to listen to people say, oh, the defense is better this year than last year. It's like the exact same defense they had two years ago when Jameis was there. Yeah. It's almost identical. Um, so it's not like it's really that different. The difference is they just had Tom Brady at the helm. Yeah. who was, you know, throwing wiser passes, not playing from behind as much. Yeah. Hey, I mean, L- LASIK Jameis is a QB1 this year, though. I will I will say that. But, um, no, but like you said, I, I agree. Um, I am a Patriots fan. I grew up in Boston. That's the only reason I like them. I like all Boston teams, so I don't want people to act like think I'm a bandwagon here. But, again, I think they will. I mean, I think their, their players are only going to get better another year in the system. 
I think if they if they sign Antonio Brown, I think it's going to be pretty hard to stop. Um, but e- either way, I think they're going to do a lot of good things. But again, no one wants to hear me talk about Tom Brady anymore. No you one want a dark horse candidate for, for, the, for the NFC. I would I wouldn't be shocked if the Redskins are in the NFC Championship Ooh. game. I would not be shocked if we got the Redskins versus the Bucks, Tom Brady versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned into a shit show. Yeah. Like a 35-35 game, defensive scores, the works. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Get your popcorn now. I love that. Well that would be an incredible game. My final question, I, I get excited about this every time I have a guest. This is going to be my, the new big thing this year is a flag plant. Your boldest prediction that you have for the season, offense, defense, doesn't matter. The one player that you look at and you're like, this is the guy that I am all in on, I believe in. For example, mine's Jalen Hurts. My prediction is Jalen Hurts is going to be the overall QB1, kind of following that Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray model because of how much he runs for the game. I'm not going to go on that whole rant again. But again, it's my flag plant. It's my boldest prediction that I actually believe can happen. What is yours? Uh, Mine is that TJ Watt will again lead the NFL in sacks. And if you want to make it super bold, do it. He's going to break the sack record this year. Break it. Oh, with that extra game. You know, he already he sat a game last year. Mm -hmm. We got an extra game. That's two extra games. He averages basically a sack a game. Let's say he gets, you know, let's say he has a good game where he gets, you know, some quack quarterback comes in in the first quarter and he gets like five sacks, you know, in week four. Yeah. All of a sudden he's sitting there rolling into week six. He's just sitting on like nine sacks and he just like says, okay, like, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm, I'm here for that. I love it. I love it. You're, are you a Steelers fan? Yeah. Usually I, I have a TJ Watt jersey yeah, up I was here. Gonna say, I saw the Mahomes. Um, I put my Mahomes jersey up the other day because I've had my Watt jersey up forever. But okay. I'm a huge, I'm like TJ Watt stan till the day I die. Yeah, but still a very unbiased take, I would say. I think it's very, very realistic. I love it. Yeah. He got snubbed two years in a row two. for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Unreal. Absolutely. absolutely. But hey, that's just how it goes sometimes. Again, Devin White did not make the Pro Bowl over Fred Warner. That's just the NFL sometimes. It's unfortunate. TJ Hawk, I mean, sorry, Evan Ingram making the Pro Bowl over Tunyon. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. But hey, that's football sometimes. But again, that is it. That's all I have for you today. Jordan, you're a phenomenal guest. I'm so thankful I got to have you on the podcast. It was great having you. Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners about? Anything that you're working on right now, you're really excited about besides play IDP fantasy football? Is there anything else you're working on? Um, yeah, guys, gals, just thanks for having me on again. This has been super fun. Check out the IDParmy.com, the website. Um, it should be launched up. I mean, I just moved it from Wix to WordPress, so it's kind of shoddy at the moment. But in the next week or so, it should be looking snazzy. <clears throat> and if you guys are interested in the Ultimate IDP Index, um, you can check that out on the Patreon. That's kind of like my big project product really it's like a draft kit slash tiered idp ranking slash database resource center um so you guys can check that out that's kind of what i have to offer the community besides my tweets which i try to send out tweets that are valuable and useful and actionable as well so if you just follow me on twitter you should get some good information there without having to pay anything so i would appreciate that and yeah like i said appreciate you having me on follow our youtube channel the idp army on youtube as well Man, if, if 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 there's a dictionary or a, a, some kind of encyclopedia that says how to plug your podcast, 
I mean, I think that that is like the great A example. That's probably the best plug I've ever heard on any episode I've ever had. That is that's fantastic. Love to hear it. So thank you again so much for coming on. Anyone who is still listening, thank you so much for getting to this point. This podcast is only going to get better. And we are going to keep trying to get great guests like Jordan on all the time. So if you're still listening, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.